HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by White Oak Pastures, a five-generation Georgia-based beef and poultry farm determined to conduct business in an honorable manner. For more information, visit whiteoakpastures.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. It's been called the all-American comfort food. And whether you like it creamy or crunchy, we'll be talking about peanut butter on A Taste of the Past. Hi, and welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm your host, Linda Palaccio. And indeed, peanut butter. Who hasn't had a peanut butter sandwich or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich at some point during, or just a scoop of peanut butter out of the jar at some point in their lives, unless, unfortunately, you have a peanut allergy. But peanut butter is more than just a spread for a sandwich. It has been called everything from a a therapeutic food to a health substitute to a protein substitute. Um, And it has been around for a long time. A lot of myths surrounding the origins of peanut butter. But we have someone with us today who can put to rest all of those false stories. And that's John Krampner. John is the author of the new book called Creamy and Crunchy, An Informal History of Peanut Butter, the All-American Food. Welcome, John. Uh, good morning, Linda. It's you know it's interesting because everyone thinks they know the origins of peanut butter and who started it, and of course, um, we know that uh, a little bit of research and what, what brands came first. I have to tell you, I was so surprised in reading your book about some of the background of peanut butter, and of course, peanuts and peanut butter or peanut ground peanuts have been around in different parts of the world for a long time. Tell us a little bit about, let's go back to the, before peanut butter, let's go back to the peanut a little bit and tell us a little bit, just a little bit about where they come from and how we got to where we are. Certainly. Um, Well, uh, peanuts are native to the uh, eastern foothills of the Bolivian Andes, uh, the uh, cultivated peanut. And so um, they've been found in yeah, archaeological sites going back almost 4,000 years and in that area, and it's only because it's such a tropical area that they probably don't 
uh, have earlier records, but uh, the Incas were really the first people to grind peanuts uh, into a, a paste-like substance. And as a matter of fact, some archaeologists have, uh, at some excavations, have said there are so many peanut shells scattered around that uh, these old Inca sites look like uh, poorly swept baseball stadiums. <laughs> the um, Spanish and uh, Portuguese explorers uh, uh, took peanuts uh, around the world, uh, and uh, as part of that, on their voyages back to, uh, to Europe, they uh, stopped off in Africa and dropped some off there, and the areas of Africa where they dropped them off, which roughly correspond to the old French West Africa, uh, also happened to be the uh, the primary slave trading areas. And really, that's how uh, peanuts got to the United States, are uh, in the hold of uh, slave ships. Hmm, indeed. Well, so peanuts were around. I mean, and they and they're not the easiest thing to to uh, to grow and cultivate. No, absolutely not. The, um, actually, one of the interesting things about the peanut plant is that it, uh, it, uh, it produces a kind of almost an orchid-like looking yellow-orangey flower uh, above ground. Uh, it dies after about a day or two and then burrows underground where it produces the peanut. So the peanut plant is one of very few plants in the food world that flowers above ground, but fruits below ground. But you're absolutely right. Uh, they can be very difficult uh, to grow. And uh, traditionally, um, there was a lot of, uh, you know, prior to mechanization, there was just a lot of hand labor involved in uh, uh, digging them up, um, tying them to stack poles in the field, uh, dragging them over to uh, stationary uh, peanut pickers, and uh, it's only with uh, the advent of uh, several generations of uh, improved farm equipment that they really could become a major commercial crop. Hmm. Well, and a commercial crop they did. I mean, peanut butter can be found probably in just about every American home and, and then across Europe and other places as well. Um, that's, so that's saying a lot for, uh, for a growth of a crop. Um, Absolutely. Let's talk about the 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 beginnings of peanut butter and who's credited. I mean, most people associate George Washington Carver with the peanut and peanut butter, but it goes back further than that. Well, absolutely. And as a matter of fact, um, uh, since you mentioned George Washington Carver, I was really astonished as I was researching uh, the book to find out that not only did he not invent peanut butter as uh, William F. Buckley, Jr. Uh, once wrote in National Review that he did. But, oddly, he wasn't even that knowledgeable about peanuts. And I, I feel somewhat sacrilegious saying that, but um, I read his uh, pamphlet about 105 ways of uh, preparing the peanut for human consumption. And he writes, for example, that it was uh, that the peanuts grow best in clay soil, which... I mean, it's simply not true. They grow best in a sandy loam soil. Uh, the two schools of thought, and there's, there's still a controversy to this day about who deserves the credit for inventing peanut butter. Uh, some people say it's uh, J. 
John Harvey Kellogg of the uh, the cereal dynasty. Uh, he took out a uh, patent on a uh, peanut butter-like substance in uh, 1895. But uh, I read that patent, and it calls for uh, boiling peanuts. And uh, I don't know if you've ever had boiled peanuts. I have but... Virginia boiled <laughs> peanuts, indeed. <laughs> the uh, it's re- it's really nothing like. Um, the uh, the feel or the flavor of roasted peanuts, which is the flavor of peanut butter. The uh, other person who's given credit is a uh, uh, St. Louis uh, snack food manufacturer named George Bale, B-A-Y-L-E, who uh, claims to have uh, started selling uh, peanut butter in 1894, uh, a year before the, uh, the patent. And I did dive into library stacks and interview people, and uh, I still haven't quite sorted it out myself, so the controversy is ongoing. Well, you said by the time you spoke to, and I noticed in your book, by the time you spoke to his great-granddaughter or somebody that you knew more about him than she did. <laughs> so I That's, guess you've done yeah. a little research. <laughs> I've tried my best. Well, whether it was Bale or it was Kellogg, I mean, indeed, this this product took off. Well, Kellogg, of course, as we know, was running a sanitary, Sanatorium and or yeah, sanatorium, and he had made all kinds of health claims about you know chewing and yeah. and different food substitutes, certainly vegetarian substitutes. And peanut butter, in its true form, is indeed a very healthy food. It's high in calories, so it's good for people who need nourishment, high in calories and fat. But um, it is a good meat substitute. Oh, absolutely! It's uh, it's it's very high in in protein, uh, and so it that makes it very popular with the. Uh, with uh, vegetarians as, as a protein source. And as a matter of fact, one of the uh, earliest uh, peanut butters, which uh, dates to the late 19th century, was uh, Dr. Schindler's peanut butter, uh, which was made by, it was, I believe, called the Vegetarian Food and Nut uh, Company. It was based in Baltimore and Washington, D.C. And actually their D.C. Uh, plant was very close to where the, the Washington Nationals uh, baseball stadium is today. But uh, the, the Schindler's brand uh, was around for quite a while. It still existed in the 1950s. And as a matter of fact, one of the kind of interesting things that I came across about it is a, uh, a live on-air commercial was done on one of the uh, Washington uh, TV stations in the 1950s by that station's uh, weatherman, uh, uh, by the name of Willard Scott, uh-huh. uh, who, uh, of course, went on to be on the Today Show, and uh, he was uh, he was working on that commercial with uh, Jim Henson and an early form of the Muppets. And what uh, Scott would do in that commercial was feed a spoonful of uh, Doctor Schindler's to Kermit the Frog, who would go. Ah, <laughs> which if he had just had a spoonful of peanut butter, probably wouldn't Absolutely. be able to go ah, but <laughs> you'd kind of get his have his uh, tongue stuck to his palate. <laughs> but, uh, it, 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 it was the television equivalent of poetic life, <laughs> and that was as late. That was well. That was Schindler's lasted then as late as the fifties. You're saying, yes. Huh. Interesting. Or to say otherwise, Henson and and. Uh, um, was on as early as the fifties. Well, that was that was. Very I, I was a little surprised at that myself. Yeah, yeah, must have been a, a student at that time, I suppose. Um, well, there are so many early 
types of peanut butter and so many early brands of peanut butter. We can talk more about those. Um, but which, as far as what goes into peanut butter, you, as you stated quite <laughs> succinctly, first of all, it, it's not a nut and it's not butter, right? So, <laughs> Absolutely not. It, uh, the peanut is a legume. Uh, true nuts, um, like walnuts and, and almonds, have, have hard shells and they grow on trees. But uh, botanically, uh, peanuts have more in common with uh, alfalfa, clover, peas, beans, lentils, mesquite, and even carob. And it's known by lots of different names. Uh, you quote and, and use Andy Smith a, a great deal in your book for um, for some of his research, and he's a good friend of ours, been on the show many times, and um, he did his wonderful book on uh, peanuts, the illustrious... Goober pea, or <laughs> but goober, we we do hear goober. Um, thinking of the chocolate, you know, peanuts a lot. But that you you say that possibly comes from the African word. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the word goober comes from uh, the word uh, nguba, n g u b a. That's um, from a. Um, I believe that's from the. Uh, the uh, Congo language uh, in uh, uh, Central West Africa, and it's one of the uh, few uh, words in English that has an African root. And another one, interestingly, is apparently in South Carolina, uh, peanuts are also known as pinders, P-I-N-D-A-R, which comes from uh, another uh, African language, uh, pinda. And so um, peanuts and uh, are are responsible for two of the few words uh, in in English that have African based roots. Hmm. Well, what are there many different varieties of peanuts, and if so, which varieties are used in peanut butter? That's a really interesting question. There are four main kinds of uh, peanuts grown in the United States. Uh, there are runners, uh, which are uh, the main peanut used in peanut butter these days. And quite honestly, of the four major kinds, um, most uh, peanut aficionados feel that they're really the least flavorful, although uh, there have been some uh, advances made uh, through hybrids in recent years, in recent decades. Uh, Then you get uh, Spanish peanuts, which are kind of the smallest and roundest and uh, tend to have the highest oil content. Uh, you have Virginias, which are the uh, the largest peanuts, and those are the ones that when you buy uh, in-shell peanuts uh, in, in the stores, those are usually Virginias. Mm. Um, and uh, then you get uh, Valencias, which are uh, kind of a real... Um, uh, they're uh, much smaller uh, percent. They're only about 1% or 2% of the peanut crop. Uh, they're grown mainly in uh, southeastern New Mexico and the adjoining uh, counties of uh, the Texas Panhandle. Now, interestingly, um, from peanut butter's birth in the 1890s up until about 1970 or so, peanut butter was usually made uh, out of a combination of Spanish and Virginia peanuts. Uh, but then starting around 1970, a new uh, 
runner hybrid called the uh, Flow Runner was developed uh, down at uh, the University of Florida, and it uh, tended to taste a bit better, and it was uh, it was very prolific, and so uh, peanut butter uh, manufacturers uh, switched over to it, and uh, most uh, stabilized peanut butter today uh, is made uh, with, with runner peanut. But what's interesting from my point of view is when I was growing up, uh, the peanut butter that I ate was mostly a combination of Spanish and Virginia's. Mm. Uh, when I went away to college about 1970, I stopped eating peanut butter for a while, just since that was pretty much all I ate growing up, and I thought <laughs> I might as well see if there was anything else in the world. And about 10 years later, when I started eating peanut butter again, I thought, hmm, seems to me that it tastes a little different. And I thought, well, maybe I'm just being like a rank sentimentalist, but by God, I was right. Huh, interesting. And uh, so today, it's the... Um they're they're not using the flow runners. What are they using today, mostly in most peanut butters today? Well, they are using descendants of the flow runners. The uh, flow runner was around for about let's say ten or fifteen years, and then then it just developed uh, disease problems as a result of being grown in monoculture. Hmm. But most of the um, uh, peanuts used in peanut butter today are uh, essentially descendants of the flow runner. Well, you had mentioned something about um, oil, and so that, and and I just jotted that down quickly because I did want to talk about that. The in the early days of production, of course, they were you know these were we're talking small batch peanut butters, right? So the oil would would separate as we now see when we're back to our natural peanut butters. Yes. Uh, so you talked about some changes that happened in the manufacturing of peanut butter. And you mentioned five major changes. What were those five major changes? Absolutely. The, um, well, the uh, first one, which we've already gone over, is the fact that uh, peanut butter today is, is made uh, mostly with uh, runners instead of Spanish and Virginia peanuts, as it originally was. Uh, secondly, uh, peanut butter is mostly stabilized today. Uh, back in the 1890s, uh, it was it was all natural or old-fashioned, of course. Um, and I would say about 90% of the peanut butter market today is uh, stabilized, and about 10% is natural. Stabilized uh, meaning that it's hydrogenated... Um, either hyd- either hydrogenated or that it's stabilized using uh, palm oil, palm oils, which, which, which is a very bad thing for reasons we can go into if right. you like. And um, so, yeah, either either hydrogenated or, or using uh, palm oil to prevent uh, the oil separation in the peanut butter. Uh, a third difference uh, in peanut butter is that uh, originally... Um, the, uh, there was no crunchy peanut butter. That was um, first uh, test marketed by Skippy in Salt Lake City in 1935, but for the first 40 uh, years or so of peanut butter, there was no crunchy. There was, however, a another texture, which for the most part no longer exists, which was uh, coarse or grainy, um, where... Um, uh, as the name implies, it wasn't. Uh, it didn't have chunks in it. It wasn't smooth. It was kind of uh, had kind of a granular texture. And uh, I think the reason that was done is 
with the coarser grainy, you didn't have the extensive degree of oil separation uh, that you would have with uh, creamy peanut butter back then. And remember, um, refrigerators didn't become common hi- household items until about the 1920s That's or right. so. And so uh, you would have the, uh, the peanut butter uh, in not being refrigerated. It could go stale uh, pretty quickly. And so uh, coarse and grainy was a way of um, moderating uh, the, the oil separation. Um, two other key differences. One is um, originally uh, peanut butter was, it either came in tins or was just like ladled out of, you know, barrels. A big, really. uh, like a big vat in a, in a general store? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I, while researching the book, I came across uh, these really nostalgic articles by old men who, you know, recalled going into uh, the local general store and just smelling the peanut butter drifting out of the vat, you know. And um, so the barrels gave way to uh, tins. Then uh, during uh, World War II, you know, tin and metal was needed for the war effort. So then uh, the switch was made to glass jars, although a couple of um, what you would call, uh, I guess, kind of better brands used glass jars going further back, but it wasn't really common until post-World War II. And then in the late 1980s, when they uh, uh, developed plastics that uh, didn't uh, uh, allow for too much air getting in, uh, then there was a switch uh, to plastic jars, which is what most, although not all, peanut butters come in now. And again, finally, because peanut butter is uh, stabilized or hydrogenated uh, now, uh, most of it, uh, it can be distributed nationally and internationally. Uh, originally, uh, the uh, you know, peanut butter was just uh, was made locally or regionally. And as a matter of fact, you know, now we just have like a handful of uh, peanut butter plants uh, in the country, but uh, back in the early 20th century, uh, almost uh, any city of size uh, had it had its own peanut butter factory. Like hmm. there were several in the San Francisco Bay yeah, Area. Yeah, so they were. So it was a, a local a local product then, basically. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we are going to talk more about some of the brands that are out and about there, and. Uh, and some of the battles that went on when we come back after a short break. You're listening to Wilderness Trips by Cookies on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. White Oak Pastures is the only farm in the United States that has its own USDA-inspected red meat abattoir or slaughterhouse and its own USDA-inspected poultry abattoir or slaughterhouse. We partner with Whole Foods to deliver our high-quality meat and poultry from Miami, Florida, all the way to Princeton, New Jersey. One family, one farm, five generations, 145 years. A full circle return to sustainable land stewardship and humane animal stockmanship. 
For more information, please visit our website, whiteoakpastures.com. Welcome back. You are listening to A Taste of the Past here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. And I'm talking with John Crampner, the author of Creamy and Crunchy, A History of Peanut Butter. And as I like to say on this uh, on my show often, um, everything old is new again. And indeed, with peanut butter, there's a reason for a lot of that. But we are seeing now a lot, a return to natural peanut butter or, you know, with no additives, no stabilizers, just good old ground peanuts. Um, well, John, you mentioned one of those reasons, and that being refrigeration. Why do you think there is this great return to, to, the, to the old-fashioned kind of peanut butter? I think it's part of a... Uh broader trend of uh, Americans uh, just wanting to eat in a more healthy and natural way and reject the, uh, some of the uh, unhealthy corporate foods that can be uh, foisted upon them. Well, you, you did mention the additives during the stabilization uh, era when, you know, said, hey, this is great. We can give it a shelf life like Twinkies of, you know, forever. <laughs> Um, and, well, go buy Twinkies. Um, and, and of course, that palm oil being one of the stable hydrogenized oils added. And, yes, that gave peanut butter a bad rap, and, and people were shying away from it as not a healthy food. The too much and a lot of sugar added and, and too much salt added. Uh, so where do we go with that? What do you think about the um, – th- is, is it all a bad thing, or have they – tried to maintain um, a higher percentage of natural peanuts? Well, the, um, basically, the, uh, over the last, uh, oh, let's say, 30 or 40 years, uh, the uh, you know, percentage of uh, peanut butter, which is now natural or old-fashioned, has uh, come up from what I believe was about maybe as little as Two or three percent back around 1970 to uh, today it's about ten uh, percent, and the, uh, the pioneer of that uh, movement was a man named uh, Frank Ford, who uh, created uh, Deaf Smith peanut butter, which is a uh, kind of a, a legendary among uh, foodies. It was the uh, he was a um, uh, a veteran of, uh, I believe, let's see if he was—I don't know if he was Vietnam or—but anyway, he was a—he uh, was a veteran. He's—he's uh, uh, he's, uh, very religious. He's active in Campus Crusade for Christ. Uh, he's uh, had a crew cut, but nonetheless, he was very um, uh, keen on whole and, and uh, you know, natural foods. And so uh, he came up with this uh, Deaf Smith uh, peanut butter, and uh, it was um, it was the first uh, peanut butter to use uh, Valencia's. It was uh, the first that was organic, um, and uh, again he he was this interest. It, it now, by the way, today it still, in a sense, exists. It's not called Deaf Smith anymore, but after a few changes. It's uh, still around as uh, Arrowhead Mills uh, Creamy Organic, which, uh-huh. that, which sadly has been caught up in the, um, 
the uh, the uh, Sunland uh, salmonella uh, contamination, uh, the Sunland plant down in Portales, New Mexico. But uh, Ford was just a really just cranky, colorful, wonderful, irascible character. And so on, on one hand, you know, here he was, you know, the, the veteran, the, the active Christian, the crew-cut guy. On the other hand, he was natural foods, and he ended one of our interviews by telling me to keep on trucking. <laughs> That's great. Uh, you, you mentioned, actually, in the, your introduction to your book that you uh, were used to writing biographies. You thought this was going to be you know, a walk in the park, and then you realized writing food history was not, <laughs> was not as easy as one thought. And you indeed have covered a lot of ground in this book. Um, one thing of, you do sprinkle throughout, which I love, there are different recipes and, of course, anecdotes about people's favorite sandwiches. And we all know some of the stories, you know, especially Elvis Presley's story of, of, mm-hmm. his, of his sandwich. Um, I was surprised to learn that even Hemingway wrote about peanut butter in a sandwich. Uh, what in, to you was, was one of the more un, or most unusual peanut butter recipes, be it a sandwich or, or other dish? Well, to be honest with you, I, I can't really point to one because I was just astonished at, at the versatility of peanut butter. There, there must be almost no human food that it hasn't been uh, combined with at one time or another. And actually, um, my uh, mother recently reminded me when I uh, presented her with a copy of the book that when I was a little boy, and I, I'm sort of embarrassed to admit this to your listener, but... <laughs> Uh, listeners, the um, I um, I put uh, peanut butter on spaghetti, and it's like uh, that. Just um, I mean, yeah, that should probably be in the penal code somewhere. But well, but you think of it, it, Chinese and Southeast Asians have noodles <laughs> with noodles with peanut sauce. That's not that's <laughs> that's quite common, actually. Well, well actually, and now now that you mention it, you know, satay sauce is very. Uh, popular in in Southeast Asia, right? And uh, as a result of that, because um, and Indonesia was a Dutch colony uh, for a long time, and probably as a result of that, the Dutch are one of uh, two two people around the world, or two countries, which on a per capita basis uh, eat more peanut butter than Americans, and I, I think that's because of their. Uh, uh, their custom in, in, in having a satay sauce from their Indonesian colony. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and the other country, by the way, is uh, Canada. Hmm. Uh, uh, not, well, here in America, I mean, it was, it, it's interesting because, you know, we think of peanut butter, and of course, what comes to mind are the, you know, like the, the, big, the big guys, you know, Jif and Skippy and, and uh, Peter Pan. Peter Pan, yes. Um, but I was, and then surprised to learn in 1914. Well, then you just explained it because it was a local, kind of local regional product. But that there were 25 brands, actual brands on the market, and that surprised me. Another thing that surprised me was that the first, um, the first national brand to make peanut butter was yes. none other than. Well, it, it was actually the uh, the uh, the uh, baby food company. Right. Uh, Beech nuts, yeah, huh? uh, absolutely, and uh, they uh, they made it from uh, they started making it in uh, 1904. Uh, they made it up to, until 1956, uh, 
when they merged with Lifesavers, um, and uh, a uh, another early brand, uh, which, which surprised me also, uh, was Heinz, uh, the ketchup people. Right. Uh, they made it from 1909 through 1950, and kind of an interesting uh, sidelight about Heinz is that it was the first uh, brand of peanut butter to be hydrogenated. Uh, when I started doing uh, researching for the book, uh, everyone said, oh, Peter Pan was the first. Well, Peter Pan came on the market in uh, 1928, and even if you include some of its uh, precursors made by Swift, which was uh, for a long time the manufacturer of Peter Pan, then it goes back to 1924 or 25. but uh, Heinz uh, was stabilized uh, by hydrogenation starting in 19. 19- Twenty-three. So, so they went the blue ribbon for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of talk today um, about American food and what is American food. And of course, you can't get any more American than peanut butter. Um, And is there such a thing as regional food? Is a big question. Well, in fact, you pointed out that there are regional differences in America in in tastes how tastes run to peanut butter. Oh, absolutely. The in uh, the South, uh, they tend to like uh, peanut butter uh, very sweet. Uh, in uh, the Midwest, which on a per capita basis is uh, where, where peanut butter is the most popular in the U.S., they tend to like it a bit more on the salty or savory side. Uh, in uh, New England, they like it sweet, but not as sweet as in the South. And uh, out here on the West Coast, where I am, is really kind of the uh, central uh, for uh, for uh, natural or old-fashioned peanut butter. So yeah, uh-huh. I was a little surprised to learn that. All right, interesting. Well, you know, it's it it has fed the troops during wartime, and and it had feeds people in crisis when there's a disaster. In fact, it was mentioned in the news quite a bit uh, out here in the East Coast. We you know suffered. Uh, Hurricane Sandy, and tens of thousands, I would venture to say hundreds of thousands of peanut butter sandwiches were made to feed so many people. Well, there was no power, there was no refrigeration, Uh, food was lost and spoiled, but peanut butter was there on the shelves, and of course, it flew off the shelves. (laughs) Absolutely, and again, it both both worked as something that that, uh, does spoil, especially if it's uh, stabilized, uh, something that's very nutritious, and uh, of, of course it, it's a uh, comfort food. And so, in times of stress like that, it, it fills the bill in, in that regard as well. Right, and one of those products that um, had such a meteoric rise—I mean, from going from uh, you know small production to being everywhere in a very short period of time. So it's yeah. quite amazing. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, John, and, and I, every time I open the book, I learn another fact that you know surprises me, and, and it all boils down to, ah, not boiled, but roasted peanut butter. Roasted. <laughs> right, well, roasted it, it, it's, it, it's very much an honor to be on. Thank you very yeah. much. Well, so the next time you reach for that jar of whatever brand you like, or go and grind your own at your local health food store, just think about it. Creamy or Crunchy by John Crampner. This has been Linda Palaccio on A Taste of the Past, and please join us again here on HeritageRadioNetwork.org.
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.